Grace, mercy, peace, it's all yours in abundance from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus the Christ. Amen. They say it only takes one. One person that you can count on, one person that will be there for you through thick and thin. Only one can make all the difference. That's what Abraham Maslow found in his research. Have you heard of that name? He was a, an American psychologist from probably about 70, 80 years ago, and he studied human basic needs. And then the first grouping that he came up with, that, that every human being says he needs, they need these fundamental needs, it's called the physiological needs. That's the big word he used, and that simply means this. The things people need to survive, like food, water, shelter, and to feel safe and secure. Now, I'm guessing that that's not a shocker to anybody, right? We all know that as human beings, we need these things to not just survive, but, but to thrive. But do you know what number two was? You know, that was the foundation, but the next layer was this one. He found out that for human beings to not just limp along and survive, but to actually thrive in life, they have to have this need to belong. A need to connect with one another. A need to, to be loved and to love and, and be in community with others. Again, I don't think that's necessarily a shocker to any of us. But this second one, the, the first one I think we got covered, right? We live in such a blessed society, right? Food, water, shelter, we have that and so much more. But this one, a little bit more difficult to navigate. Because connecting to others is, is so much more than just knowing a bunch of people. It's so much more than just knowing some people's names, sharing similar interests, cheering for the same kind of teams, voting the same way, having connections that people go way deeper than that. Because we have all those things and then some, don't we? At work, at school, in our communities, even here at church, we, we know people. We, we might talk to them for five, ten minutes over a cup of coffee here. We, we might play sports with them in school, we might work with them and have the cubicle next to them, but it doesn't mean we actually know them. In fact, many people, most people, might know a lot of people, but they're still alone. They have no meaningful connection. And that's what Ryan Tedder, I think, was getting at. He is the lead man in a group called One Republic. I don't know, maybe you younger folks know that group, right? In 2018, they came up with a hit called Connection. If you've heard it, you know it's a real catchy tune. But in it, he talks about this idea that, that there's all kinds of people around, but, but we're rarely really connected to one another in any meaningful way. And I want to share just a few of the words from his first verse he says this, these days my waves get lost in the ocean. 
Seven billion swimmers, man, I'm going through the motions, right? So he's talking about, he's using the ocean, he's using waves, he's using swimmers to talk about seven billion people on this planet, right? He goes on, sent up a flare, need love and devotion, traded for some faces that I'll never know, notion. Maybe I should try to find the old me, take me to the places and the people that know me, trying to just connect, thinking maybe you could show me. If there's so many people here, then why am I so lonely? I think this song struck a nerve, maybe at least in our younger generation, because this song went to the top 10 on the billboards that year. Because I think he brings up a topic that, that we all know, right? Maslow researched it. <laughs> One Republic sang it. But deep down, I think we already know these things, right? Because God's word tells us that he created you and me to be connected. In God's grand design, right, it's not good for man to be alone. God wanted to connect us in marriages and in families and in churches and in communities so that we could live life together with Jesus at the center. But that's hard, isn't it? Right? Because of sin, those connections have been tainted. They have been broken. They're really difficult to navigate. And that's why if we're going to get a connection, we need a whole lot of patience, a whole lot of love and forgiveness. We need a whole lot of Jesus if we're going to stay connected to him and to each other. And so this morning, we're going to look at Jesus and his words to do just that. And number one, before we can talk about connections in our families, connections here at church, connections in our communities, we have to talk about the most important connection of all, which begs us to ask the question, can I get a connection with a holy God? And in order to answer that question this morning, we're going to turn to the book of Numbers. Now, I'm guessing that if I ask most of you, even, even people who've gone to church their whole lives, how much they know about the book of Numbers, and it's one of those books that I think we often, right, <laughs> we kind of go by it. There's a lot of tough stuff. There's a lot of mundane stuff. A lot of it's a census. Unless you're into Numbers, most of us say that's not riveting. Let's, let's move on. What's the next book? But the words that are before us today, if you spent any time in church, You've heard them, you know them, you probably have them memorized, some of you, and they're some of the most beautiful words that God speaks to us in all of Scripture. So let's listen in. Number six, the Lord said to Moses, tell Aaron and his sons, this is how you are to bless the Israelites. Say to them, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. So they will put my name on the Israelites and I will bless them. All right, you, you've heard those words before. That every time we close on a Sunday morning, we, we end with those words before we leave. But here's the question. What's going on in this section of God's word? Well, the Israelites were camped out at a place called Mount Sinai. You heard of it before? 
It was that place where God said, Moses, you come up the mountain, and, and Moses is getting connected with God, and you know what God's given him? Ten Commandments. And while Moses is up there connecting with God, receiving the Ten Commandments from the Father himself, the Israelites are down at base camp. And they're worshiping. They're celebrating. They're, they're eagerly awaiting Moses to come back. Well, the first half is true. They were worshiping, but they weren't worshiping him. You know what they did? Uh, a bunch of the people in the camp brought their gold, their silver, their jewelry, and they melted it down, and they built this humongous, giant, golden calf. That God's own people set up in the middle of camp and they were having a, a week-long church service worshiping a golden calf. And you know what they were praising it for? I mean, to add injury to insult, it was bad enough they were worshiping a false god, but they were praising the golden calf saying, thank you for bringing us out of slavery in Egypt. I'm talking about a slap in the face. God Almighty had done that with his power, and here they're giving the credit to a golden calf after all that they saw God do for them. And do you know who's leading the rebellion in all this? The pastor! The high priest! The guy in charge of worship for all of Israel, Aaron, that's Moses' brother, chosen by God to be the high priest, he's leading the people in it. They say, Aaron, make us a God, and he says, bring me your jewelry, and I will. And he did it. The same guy that you just heard God said, I want to bless my people, was the one who was leading the rebellion against God with his people. Let that sink in. Wow. Why in the world would God want to bless them then? They obviously had trashed his commandments. They blew up the first one. They didn't even get past one. They didn't need to. But you know what God does? Amazing, right? God, he picks up his name that had been dragged through the mud, he cleans it off, and he puts it back into the mouth of the high priest and says, you gotta tell this to my people. I want you to bless them this way. I want you to tell them this. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. Aaron, you got to tell them that so that they know I still love them. I forgive them, yes, even for the golden calf, and I'm still going to be their God. How in the world could a holy God want to still bless his people after what they did? Why would he still want to have a connection with them after they gave him the spiritual finger and said, we don't want you. We want the golden calf. And this ain't going to be the first time that the Israelites did it, and it wouldn't be the last. They repeatedly did this. Doesn't God know? Doesn't he get it? Doesn't he know that they're going to do this again? Why would he bless them when he should curse them? Why would he bless us 
when he should curse us. Have you ever thought about that? I know this is the part of God's word that we, we would rather just kind of tune out and we don't want to listen to, but there's always that section of God's word that when you get to it, if you're being honest with yourself and if you're being honest with God, it sounds like nails on a chalkboard to our hearts. Right, that section that says no one is righteous, no one seeks God, not even one. That word of God that says all, not just those people or those nasty groups over there, but all, that's us, have fallen short of God's glory. And so why would our Father in heaven want to be connected with us? Doesn't he know? You know. You know the things in your own life, the thoughts, the words, the actions that, that maybe you have tried to hide. You've tried to hide it from your spouse. You've tried to hide it from your parents. You've tried to hide it from your family, your friends, your coworkers, each other here at church. But, but you know he knows. Are the times that I haven't trusted him. I haven't trusted and I've doubted his love and forgiveness. The times where we've let greed overtake our lives and, and that's been our pursuit as we chased after money and homes and titles and ranks and degrees and 401ks and all that other stuff. And we've placed that golden calf in the midst of our worship. Maybe it's the times that you know you failed as a mom or a dad. It's Father's Day, right? And you think about the times that maybe you put more effort into your career and that advancement, and you've left your wife and kids behind, not pointing them to Jesus, but, but chasing your own dreams. Or the times we've been angry with that person who hurt us, and Jesus forgives us, but I am not forgiving them. And you know what Jesus says about that, right? <laughs> If you don't forgive your brother, I won't forgive you. We're okay taking that risk because you know what they did to me, right, God? Whatever it is, we know. Even though we don't always want to admit it, even though we try to hide it, we know and we know he knows. And so why would he want to be connected to us? Why would he want anything to do with us, right? Just like his people, the Israelites, they should have been destroyed for their rebellion. God should have just swooped down, destroyed the golden calf and everybody in its wake and been done with them because they rebelled against him, but he doesn't. And God should come down here and he should remove me from the pulpit, he should remove you from his church and say, no, no. Why would I bless you? You don't listen to me. You don't follow me. You, you disregard me time and time again. But he doesn't. You know what he says instead? He says, for all those who have fallen short of my glory, to all those who have put other things ahead of me, to all those who are broken and sinful and lost, he says, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. Amazing, isn't it? He should turn his face away from us, but instead he turns it toward us. 
And he speaks these amazing words, and he says, I'll speak them a thousand times if I have to. And after I'm done speaking them a thousand, I'm going to speak them a thousand more, and it's not because we don't really know them, but it's because we so desperately still need them. And as God speaks these words into our hearts and into our sinfully messy lives, we get to see who our God is, but even more so what he's done for you and me. Or this past week, as I was studying this text, some words jumped out at me. Maybe they did you, right? The word Lord, L-O-R-D, all caps, is in there three times. That is God's special name. It means the God of free and faithful love, the God who, despite our rebellion, loves and forgives us anyway. That's in there three times, and rightfully so, right? God the Father, Lord, Son, Lord, Holy Spirit, Lord, blessing us and is gracious to us. But there's another word in there that's used twice as much. You see it? It's yours. It's your name. It's the word you used six times. And this is an interesting part. I don't often do this, but, but I think you have to understand this. In the Hebrew, that's a singular. It's not God bless all y'all. It's God bless you. As if you are the only person on this planet that he's talking to, he says the Lord bless you. And it's not by coincidence that that word is in there six times in the singular because God wants you to know that this blessing is for you. And it's for her too. It's for that woman who feels the weight of expectations. Maybe she feels like she can never measure up as a mom or a spouse or a worker or a sister. And there's times where she doubts, times where she struggles, times where she gets anxious and worried, maybe even times where she feels worthless. It's to her that God the Father comes and says, the Lord bless you and keep you. I, I know you, my dear daughter. I love you. I made you worthy because I have redeemed you and I've bought you by name. You are mine, sweet daughter. No matter what anybody else says, this blessing is for It's for him, too. It's for the guy who looks at the rearview mirror of his life and, and he sees all the wreckage, all the baggage, all the mistakes. Maybe those times where he, he put in too much effort and he was chasing rank and career and money and he neglected his kids and wife and didn't always take him to the cross. Maybe it's the guy who, who looks at the rearview mirror of his life and he sees all the reasons why God should not want to be connected with him. All the reasons why God should punish and destroy him, get rid of him, it's to a guy like that that God says, the Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. Right? Jesus says, it's okay, I paid for that sin too. I went to the cross. All your failings, all your sins were nailed on my cross and you are forgiven. And you know what the Father does now? He smiles upon you because he sees his forgiven son. And it's for them, too. It's for that younger generation, our teens and tweens and 20-somethings who are growing up in a world that is so much different than, than even my own 25, 30 years ago. 
Growing up in a world where there's all kinds of voices and they have access to all of those voices 24-7 and it can be confusing. Who do you listen to? Who do you believe? Who can you trust? It's for them too. That even in their mistakes, God still blesses and forgives and loves. It's for the depressed and the anxious the ones who never feel good enough, who never think they can measure up, the, the ones who are always constantly worried about everything and anything. This blessing's for them too. This blessing is for, for every Sunday churchgoers and people who never walk through the doors of a church, maybe because they've been hurt by the church or are afraid. This blessing's for them. This blessing is for Sunday school teachers and meth addicts. It's for pastors and porn addicts and everybody in between, because all of us have fallen short of the glory of God. This blessing is for those who struggle with anger, those who can't seem to get it right, those we might even write off as failures. God says this blessing is for them. In other words, this blessing, it's for you, and it's for me. Right? It's, it's the Holy Spirit who then comes to us and he says, the Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. Right? God says, I know, even if nobody else knows. I care, even if nobody else cares. I will have you back, even if everybody writes you off. Even if those church people say you're not good enough. I died for you. And I will give you a peace that nobody else can give. A peace through my son Jesus, who lived and died and lives again for you. God is serious. Your father is serious. He wants you to know this blessing's for you. No doubt about it. This blessing is for you. In a few minutes, we're going to end this service the same way we always do. We're going to end it with that amazing blessing, those words from our God. And even if you've heard it a thousand times, even if there's been times where you've heard it and it went in one ear and out the other, even for the times where maybe you thought there's no way God could be speaking to me because of what I did to him, God says, no, no, no. This blessing is for you. He says, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you you peace because of Jesus Christ and what he's done for you the father will continue to bless you and give you peace because of what Jesus did for you the father's grace will never run out because Jesus let his blood run out fully and completely to cover your sins because of Jesus Christ the Father will continue to turn his face towards you and give you peace always. Because of Jesus, you never have to ask the question, can I get a connection with a holy God? You can know that you are connected to a holy God, a Father who loves you always, now and forever. Amen.